was a pastor in Abilene for 10 years and we had a problem. We had an issue. The issue was this, that one of our elders, his daughter was outwardly gay, living a gay lifestyle. And Jamie would come to the services and I would make it a point every time to go and love on her. Because the last thing I ever wanted her to think was that this religious dude had usurped Jesus off of the throne and had put my own crown on and was sitting in the seat of judgment. But it was difficult. And I remember spending time with this elder and his family praying and weeping together over this situation because they were so embarrassed and so hurt. And then they were also in a moral quandary of how do we outwardly love our daughter who's made some choices and yet continue to serve Jesus and represent. But the problem was is that they thought that in order to represent Jesus, they had to be perfect. They didn't realize that I wear a t-shirt. By the way, it's invisible, but I have a t-shirt on right now that says, no perfect people allowed. It also might say, underscore, I have blinders on too. And it might have a hashtag that says, preaching to myself. So, y'all don't know that all about my, my garb, but I remember one Sunday, it really got awkward when Jamie brought her partner to church. And so, I got to meet Keita. Keita was very athletic. She was a coach. I remember Keita coming. Thank you for that amen. That's, that'll be a $20 deduction at that point. So. But I remember Keita being in the service, and I was introduced to her before the service started, and, and just went over and just treated her like I would anybody, family. And um, I don't remember what the sermon was that day, but I think Keita will, because at the end of the message, she was the first one down the center aisle to accept Jesus as her Savior. And the story doesn't stop there. I remember her, she didn't want to just stand and pray. She was so awestruck by the presence of God that she wanted to get on her knees. And so, I get emotional talking about it. So we got on our knees together. She gave her life to Jesus. And y'all know the rest of the story, right? She came out of that lifestyle the next day like it had never happened in her life. No scars, no wounds, no pain. It was over. And then Jamie got gloriously saved and her, her embarrassed elder dad was never had to hide in shame again, right? Do you think that's how the story went? But it didn't go that way. I told Keita, I said, Keita, I don't know you, but I love you because you're my sister in Christ. And could we... Could I spend time with you? Could, we, could I help you in your new walk with Jesus? So we, we met several times. And, and then she got a transfer and ended up going to another city to coach at a university there. And we stayed in touch through Facebook. And after some time had passed, she reached back out to me and she said, You know, Pastor Jimmy, there's one thing we've never talked about. And it's my lifestyle. And she said, And you've never once mentioned it. Because all you've done is teach me about Jesus and the Bible and how to live and love and make a difference. And she said, but you've never, you've never told me what you think about it. I wrote her back, you know, keyboard. And I said, it's because you never asked. She never invited me into that space. 
Now, some of you are sitting there. Hopefully, you've not usurped Jesus off the throne and put your own crown on and thinking, well, if I was him, if I was a pastor, I would have, I would have been right down there in the middle of her business. Really? You think that? Because you would have reinforced every stereotype of a religious person that she's ever been told about. And you would have never had another conversation again. See, I made a decision that I was going to trust Jesus working in another person's life more than I trust my own self trying to work on their life. And so, as a religious person, almost hurts to say that word that way, but as a person who follows Jesus, I made up my mind I would trust Jesus to do the work that needs to be done. And that maybe my own paradigm, my own worldview, my own lens through which I see the world may not be perfect either. So we met at Starbucks in Abilene. She drove back over just for this conversation. She beat around the bush for about an hour because she was really nervous and scared that suddenly our relationship was going to come to a grinding halt and that I'd been fake and disingenuous the whole time because I was trying to get something. And she finally brought it up. She said, Pastor Jimmy, she said, I, I never asked you, but what do you think? And I bet every one of you right now want to know what I told her. That'll have to come in another story, another sermon for another time. We'll revisit Kita in just a bit. I will say this. She walked away from that little coffee table sitting outside in the Starbucks there in Abilene knowing she was loved, knowing she was valued, and knowing that this preacher refused to judge her. And to this day, we, we stay connected on Facebook. Do I know if she's come out gloriously and shunned her style or life? And No, I don't. We haven't talked about that in a long time. Here's the deal. The Lord loves you so much that He will throw you into situations where you will not have a ready or pat answer. Because His heart is to see people move from darkness to light, from bondage to freedom, from condemnation to grace. That's the kind of God that we serve and that we love. Oh, by the way, her partner Jamie, who is our elder's daughter, She's married now to a dude, happily living in Austin, having kids, doing great, doing great. And they were able to maintain their relationship. Today's message is really about, we're going to examine a cast of characters in a story, in an event, and we're going to, I'm going to ask you to insert yourself into that cast of characters and say, which one out of the six am I? There's six. And I want you to ask an honest question. Which one do I look and sound the most like? So let's get to it. A couple of things, first of all, were two things that we're asking you to do. We're asking you to be open to a miracle. We call them EDMs, everyday miracles. Epic is awesome. For Jason to give his life to Jesus on an Easter Sunday in a unit, a prison unit, and be gloriously redeemed, and then come out of that, and now is going back into prison. They're letting him back in, but he's going in as a free man and preaching the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and leading people and discipling, making disciples. Now that's epic, right? 
So we have to call that an EDM, an epic day testimony. But I'm talking about everyday testimonies. The kind that just happen as you go, and if you're not careful, you may just miss it. We're trying to be open to the miraculous as a normal part of our everyday lives. And then the second thing we're asking is that we want you to be in part of a miracle because Jesus always asked somebody to come along. He always allowed other people to be engaged and be a part of it. We're not asking you to go out and create anything. We're just say, asking you to say yes to Jesus, that Lord, I'm willing. I'm open. In fact, if we'll, you know my deep strategy, right? Just do the next thing Jesus tells you to do. That's how deep it gets here. But I think if we'll follow that, it'll get deep real quick. Amen? So we're saying this, just do the next thing and say, Lord, I'm open to the miracle and I'm willing to play a role in it, so just show me what to do. If that's all that happens at the end of this day or even at the end of this whole series that we're doing, then we will have accomplished our objective that you're open to the miracle and that you're ready to be a part of it. And Lord Jesus, as we hear these sirens, Lord, may you protect, guard, and cover whoever. Every time you hear a siren, family, there's a ripple effect of people being impacted. So we pray over our first responders as well. Bless them in Jesus' name. Listen to this. Pastor Steve Berger, who's my pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, says this, We mustn't think Jesus did what he did because he was gifted in ways that are unavailable to us. Ooh, did you get that? Remember Jesus... The word became flesh. Another way to say it is Jesus put on an earth suit and moved into the neighborhood. He became one of us. Bled. Suffered. He learned obedience to the things he suffered, the scripture tells. He was, we shouldn't think that he was gifted in ways that are unavailable to us because if we do, we'll cease learning and participating in the miraculous. I don't know about you. I want to be open to and I want to be a part of. I'm like, Lord, use me. Here am I. We take the posture of Isaiah and say, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, use me. So let me introduce you to this cast of characters. We'll go quickly through this. There's six. First of all, a blind dude. The blind guy was born blind, had no choice in the matter. He was just born that way. But here's some of his characteristics. He's quick to obey, honest, and forthcoming. And you'll see that in the story. The Pharisees. Oh, the Pharisees. I know we don't have any in our room or in the church in general, right? The Pharisees. Look at this. These were the religious folk. I didn't say godly. I said religious. And there is a connotation there. Here's the, the Pharisee. Prideful. You know the word prideful means full of pride, right? Like joyful means full of joy. Religious. Rigid. Unbelieving. The crowd. There's always a crowd, right? Log on to Facebook, you're faced with a crowd. You get opinions whether you want them or not. The crowd is always chattering. There's always noise. And the crowd always has opinions. And here's the crowd, opinionated, talking but saying very little. Chatter, noise, the din of noise. The family. There's always a family surrounding someone. Here's the family situation in this story. They were riddled with the fear of man. Fear of their, losing their status and their position in the community. And then here's another group, the disciples. Man, we love the disciples because they're superstars, right? Because they're super spiritual, right? Because they're so smart, right? Wrong. Hello, it's a trick question. So we have the disciples here who are normal, just like you and me. They had questions. And here's the thing, they were questioning. 
but they were teachable. That's what I love about the disciples. And they were culturally influenced, as we'll see in the story. I'll bring that out in just a minute. Because they're just like us. They're influenced by the culture in which they are surrounded and the milieu in which they live. And then here's their sixth character, Jesus. Compassionate. And never miss this, church. As much as we would love a tidy, clean, respectable, dignified, or as one brother calls it, sedidified, man, clean, clear, precise, what we get is somebody who's absolutely outside the box. Or as John Eldridge calls him, the beautiful outlaw. Or as Doc came up to me and said, let's just face it, Pastor Jimmy, he was a rebel. Yeah, Jesus, the revolutionary. Outside the box, yielded to his father's plan, his father's will, and his father's voice in the moment. And that's key to understand. Jesus did what he did because he was only acting on what the father was showing him was going around. He recognized the activity of God, adjusted his life to that activity, and then joined him in his work. It's really not that hard to follow. Just when you recognize his activity, you say, that is my invitation to join him in the work that he's about. You see, we're not going around doing the work for God and of God. We're going around seeing what God's doing and then joining in. We're jumping on a moving train, folks, every day of our lives. Even in aisle four, the chip aisle, I got it, the chip aisle at HEB. I should get an applause for that. That's the first time I've ever gotten it right. So, are so serious because I started pretty intense. So, thanks for listening. So, let's start our scripture. Look at John chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to hit the ground running. We're going to move quickly through the story. But you're going to see these characters. And the question today is, which character are you? Who do you identify with? Jesus heals a man born blind. As he went along, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. Remember? His disciples asked him, Rabbi, this is an automatic go-to question. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Before we move on, we have to understand that sometimes... We do the same. We see somebody come up to... One of the reasons why this altar is not full of people getting prayer because the Lord knows every one of us need prayer every Sunday. Can I get an amen? amen? We need it. I need it. But the reason this altar is not filled with people praying, not because you're time conscience. It's because you're people conscience. Because there, it's, it's worrisome to think, if I go forward, people may think I am messed up. I've got news for you. We're all messed up. Remember the t-shirt? We're all, we all got stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a beautiful mess. And then we need to be honest, say, I am too. I, I, am, I am a mess. I'm a mess. But we'll ask that question. What did they do? They might, what if... I know you've never done this. I'm, I'm preaching to myself today, so I'm just going to take you out of the equation lest I get emails this week. I will tend, when somebody, the wheels come off of somebody's life, I will tend to wonder, 
what have they done wrong? When things go badly and it seems like they're beset and they can never break free, they can never get loose from whatever's holding them back, I tend to usurp Jesus off of His throne. I crawl up there. It doesn't fit me very well, but I try. I get up there and I put on His crown, which again, doesn't fit me very well. But I try and I, and I wonder, and I sit in the seat of judgment and I wonder, what have they done wrong? There must be something. I mean, really... Or we'll whisper it to our spouse or our friends. You know, I don't want to be a gossip or anything, but you know, we really need to pray for. You ever pray gossiped? Hello. <laughs> you know, we really need to be praying for, for old, old Bob. Uh, man, he's got some stuff going on. In fact, let me tell you the details about his stuff so you'll know how to pray because we're so spiritual. Again, I'm preaching to myself. Y'all just laughing at me right now, right? Hmm. Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. The disciples, though they were growing, though they were learning, though they were on the journey, and boy, were they ever. They were literally walking with Jesus, seeing the miraculous. Talk about everyday miracles. We talk about them in hopes we'll see them. They were seeing them. They saw Jesus feed 20,000 people. No, Pastor Jimmy, it was five. Remember, they only numbered the men. Sorry, ladies, but... Did the, you add in the, the women and children, it's 20,000 that he fed right there. They saw this, and yet they still wondered, eh, what's going on? This poor guy, okay, he was born blind, so I doubt he sinned. But, you know, the parents, maybe it was a generational thing. Jesus said, no, nobody. But here's what Jesus loves to do. <laughs> he says, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I, I want you to know something. God will show up in the middle of your mess called a life. And He'll show up and juxtaposed to your mess will be His beauty and His glory. Do you remember how when we started this series, I held up a Ziploc bag. Does anybody remember what was in it? A white feather. God has this thing where through the years, a feather has shown up at interesting times and in interesting places. I don't know. They just do. And it's always just, for me, it's a fist bump. It's a shoulder tap. It's a, it's a reminder that God shows up and stuff. And for whatever reason, these show up. And we were in Paris. We walked 44.7 miles last week. Didn't gain any weight while we were there eating all their wonderful food, by the way. And so... While we're walking, and when you get, come to an intersection in Europe, there's a little green man that pops up on the light pole, and then there's a red man. If the red man is on the pole, don't you dare step out in an intersection, or you will be dead. It's like us and tourists on Main Street. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, home folk. So, it's like, tourists, go. <laughs> so, so... So we're, we're getting across the intersection, tons of people. It's chaos. It's also fall there. You remember what fall is? That's when leaves fall out of the tree and they're beautiful. So they have fall there. We're in fall. I'm stepping up on a curb and there's this gutter that is full of like, looks like wet and rotting leaves. And it's just nasty and dirty. It's in the middle of a very busy intersection in a busy city. And I start to step up on the curb because a little red man popped up and I'm getting out of the way. And I see, guess what I see in the middle of that nasty, gross mess? I see a big white feather. 
oh, Pastor Jimmy, so an angel dropped a feather. No, a big pigeon probably dropped that feather. I don't care how God chooses to get a feather to me. It could be a chicken. It could be a pheasant. I don't care. But here's what matters to me is that in interesting places and in opportune times, he shows up in a way that I go, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I know. Thank you, Lord. I know that's you. And that's exactly what he did. And so I did what any tourist would do, right? I'm going to stop and take a picture. And Annette's like, really? It's a feather. A pigeon dropped that. She told me that. That was a pigeon feather. I'm like, I wasn't saying it's an angel feather. It's just a feather. It's reminding me of God's goodness. So you hop on the curb. I'm taking a picture. I took a picture. I don't have it with me. Got it on my phone. But I, I'll show it another time. Maybe we'll end the, end the series with it. But I took a picture because it was a reminder that God shows up in the most gross, nasty, messy places. And He shows up in your life, and He shows up in my life, in the middle of the mess, which, by the way, He was not surprised about, never taken off guard. He never sat back and went, oh my gosh, I did not see that coming. Oh, myself, I didn't see that coming. Some of you will get that. He shows up in the middle of our mess. Says, look at what it says. Jesus makes a statement in the middle of this. He, he, he's saying, no, no, no. This happened for the glory of God. In fact, as long as it's day, verse 4, we must do the work of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. That's very layered. I'm not going to unpack that. But he makes a statement here. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now he's saying this with a blind man sitting there who can't see and he's saying, I'm the light of the world, indicating what he is just about to do. Jesus is about to do something. So let's watch what he does. Verse 6, having said this, he spit on the ground. Well, there you go, Jesus. And that very next thing I thought Christ would do. I don't know about you, my mama told me don't spit. Remember, I don't, Jesus spits on the ground made some mud with the saliva, is anybody grossed out yet, and put it on the man's eyes. By the way, the day that he did this was the Sabbath. Jesus did something very obvious, very strategic, and very demonstrative. He needed something on the ground as akin to kneading dough, but it was clay, and it was with his spit. I'm sorry, I didn't write it. That's in the book. And and he needs this, indicating that he's working on the Sabbath. It was a prophetic picture to those religious Pharisees who were watching for Jesus just to make a bad move. They're like there with their rocks saying, just make my day. Jesus says, okay, I'm going to make this super obvious. Because you know Jesus could have walked over and just said, be healed in my name. Boom, it would have happened. He could have walked by him. He could have just brushed by him. Even just a shadow going over him could have healed that man with no stink, no mess. But no, he chooses to do something extremely obvious. I'm just saying, that's what the Bible says. And he did it, and then he makes mud out of it, puts it on the guy's face. Are you getting the picture here? He's got big dirt clod things coming off of his face, and he just says casually, now, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed. Well, what else is he going to do? He's got mud on his face. 
I'm going to go wash. So he goes. Remember what I said about the man? Quick to obey. He goes, he washes, and then he came home seeing. Uh-oh. So Jesus does a very openly expressive demonstrative act. Gross, yeah, but... He's doing it to make a very bold statement. Remember when I said in our cast of characters, in our descriptor, that Jesus is out of the box. Let me tell you how much God loves you, church, beloved, friends. He loves you so much that He will show up in your life and He will drop you into situations that you will not have easy answers for. He will drop you into situations where there will be no explanation. You can't always make it tidy, follower of Jesus. You can't always make it clean. It's not always going to be pretty because we're not. Our lives are messy. And we're dealing with sheep who are messy. And I am a messy sheep too. And so dealing with messy makes messes. And Jesus shows up in the middle of it. And disrupts everything. Why? Because Jesus is a beautiful outlaw who's disrupted by His very nature. You want to follow Jesus? You really want to follow Jesus? Be ready to be disrupted and to be disruptful. You will be disrupted to those in your world if you follow Jesus. Now, if you want to stay a Pharisee, you can probably keep it clean. So let's see what happens. So the guy washes. He comes back. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked. So now the crowd shows up. Notice who the, these people are. His neighbors. They know each other. These are small communities. They know each other. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging. So they all knew who this guy was, that he was blind from birth and he was a beggar by nature. So they knew who he was and they start asking questions. Isn't this the same guy who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. Well, there's an easy cop out. No, I've seen him for 30 years, but I'm pretty sure that's not him. Right. Cop out. No, it can't be him. Skeptical. Unbelieving. No, we could not have, that could not be what just happened. No, Pastor Jimmy, that feather came from a pigeon, just like your wife said. Sorry, baby. I'm like, I'm taking a picture anyway if I get run over, which I almost did. So, we're skeptical. We're quick to say, no, no, we've got to figure it out in the natural first. It, it, it's, there's got to be an explanation. You know what? I, I hate to bust your bubble. There's not always an explanation for stuff. Ask anyone in the medical field. There's not always an explanation. You can't always figure it out. And that kills us Americans. Kills us Western thinkers because we want to figure everything out. We want to know. Guess what? They're Eastern thinkers and they wanted to know too. Look what happens. Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, oh no, he only looks like him. <laughs> that still cracks me up. But he himself said, I'm the guy. I'm the man. Verse 10. How then were your eyes open? Now we want to know how. Okay, wait a minute. We want to know what happened. They demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus he made some mud and put it on my eyes. He's just being direct. He's just reporting the facts. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They ask him. So he goes real deep with them. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like, he's just reporting the facts. So, they brought 
to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind, because they'll know what to do. Our religious people will know exactly what to do here. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a what? Sabbath. Someone say, uh uh-oh, out loud. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he'd received his sight. Now he's getting grilled again. Here he goes again. Okay, he put mud on my eyes. I washed. Now I see. He even shortens it because he's getting exasperated. He's like, okay, I'm not going to explain the whole deal. Here's what happened. Three steps. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now do you see what just happened? Forget the miracle. Forget that a man born blind, who everyone knows, the crowd is there, the family's about to show up, but they're going to take an easy way out too. Everybody is trying to not own any piece of this real estate. All of them, and yet, they just flat out miss the miracle because it happened because a rule was broken. Back to Kita. Can you imagine what it would have been like if when Kita came to the altar, the first thing I said to her is, are you ready to repent of your homosexuality and your sin? You know, I've never stood toe-to-toe with an adulterer and said, are you ready to repent from your adultery? Because you can't come to Jesus till you get your act together, sir. Are you ready to repent of your gossip, ma'am? Church lady? Because if you're not, then you can't be born again. So no, I didn't question Kita about her behavior because all I wanted for Kita was for her to have a clear path to Jesus. Clear the way, clear the furniture, open it up, part the seat, whatever it takes so that she can see Jesus and only Jesus. Not religion, not rules, not regulations. You did not come to Jesus because of the rules. The rules that have been imposed on your life came after you became to, came to Jesus by well-meaning, but albeit very misdirected people. Who said, now that you came to Jesus in freedom and grace and accepted the free gift of... Oh wait, but there's more. Oh, but wait, there's a catch. It's the free gift of eternal life, but it's going to cost you everything. I've even preached that. Can you, that doesn't even make sense. Is it free or is it not? Is grace freely given or is it not? It's quiet because you're listening. Thank you. Verse 17. Verse 16. This man's not from God. He he cannot keep the rules, so he can't be from God. But how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? Oh, here's Mr. Direct, right? Here's Captain Obvious. Here's what he says. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes. He opened the God's... He's finally done. He's, he's already reported it twice. He just shortens it down to, he's a prophet. That's all I got. He's done. He's tired of telling the story. He just says he's a prophet. Does anybody else see humor in the Bible like I do? If God doesn't have a sense of humor, I'm going to be in big trouble when I stand before the throne. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? Now, they're just going deeper with this. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. It's him. But how? 
he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. And then here's where they turn and cop out. Ask him. He's of age. (laughs) They're like, ask him. Do you see the human nature being played out here? Do you see the reality? These are real people. They're just like us. Don't ever divorce yourself and separate yourself from the reality of the people we read about in the Bible as though they're unthinking, unfeeling, and they're just, they're just casts in, in a story, and they're just playing out and reading their script. No, these are real people dealing with real life, real time situations. I laugh a lot when I read the Bible. I cry sometimes, and then I get angry sometimes. But here's the deal. I see it, and I go, this is what I would do. I would probably ask that question. I would probably react that way. If I had no frame of reference, and this guy named Jesus shows up suddenly on Sunday morning, and he starts doing miraculous things, I'd be going, oh, that can't be for real. There's got to be an explanation here. He's deceiving people. See, we're so quick to default to the natural. So his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided anyone acknowledge that Jesus was Christ, would be, they're protecting their ground. They're going, we don't want to be put out of the synagogue. This is all we know. This is our culture. Yeah, he's seeing now, but we've we got to step back from this. We can't own it. That was why his parents said he's of age. Ask him. A second time, they summon the man. They bring him back in. He's being asked to tell the story again. And they're mad at this point because they say, give glory to God. They throw down the God card. Anybody ever thrown down the God card on you? Jesus told me. I prayed about this. Which means you can't come against that or you're coming against God. That's exactly what they do. They throw down the God card. Please don't do that to me. I may call it. They throw down the God card. Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And then, (laughs) I love the blind guy who's not blind. He says now, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, listen to this, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. One thing I do know. You know, you don't have to have it all figured out. Just know what he's done for you and just tell that. He's done telling the details. He's a prophet. One thing I know, I was blind, now I see. I don't know anything else. Sinner, not. Messiah, not. I don't know. Here's what I know. I was blind, and now I see. You know what? That's all the testimony you need. Jason, in two minutes. Cody, in two and a half minutes. I had to cut Cody off because he started preaching. But in less than three minutes, was able to say... I, I was blind, but now this is what I know. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. That's all you need to know. We think we got to have it all figured out. You know, and we Westerners, we Americans, if we don't know everything about something, except for on Facebook, we just don't talk about it. We just, we just, uh, I don't know enough to share my faith. I don't know, what if somebody questions me and I don't know an answer? So out of fear and repercussion, we step back and don't do anything. Just step up. Guess what? The Holy Spirit will meet you as you open your mouth. Listen, don't wait to say, if the Holy Spirit were revealed to me, then I'll do it. No, you, you step out and the power will meet you as you go. That's called faith. As you share, you will be met with everything you need to share your faith. So let's end this thing. 
So then they, he said, one thing I know, I was blind, I see. Then they ask him, what did he do to you? They want to know. How did he? And he's like, seriously? Verse 27. You ever just looked at somebody and went, really? Seriously? I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want... Oh, now this is where he just takes a step. He goes beyond direct to, I'm going to stick a knife in you and twist it. So he takes a shot. Do you want to become his disciples too? You ever want to see if a person's religious? Just back them into a corner religiously and see what comes out. Claws. Look what happens. Then they hurled insults at him. I get a picture of them hurling these big insults, these big rocks. And said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Here comes the pride. God card, pride card. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered. Now that is remarkable. Anybody get the humor here? Listen, that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We, <laughs> that'll get you in trouble. We call that the left foot of fellowship. See ya. We know that God does not listen to sinners. This is him saying. He's saying, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. So far, his logic is on track according to the Pharisees. He's actually using the Pharisees' own logic train to deliver something to them. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they rejoice and said, you are so smart and you make a great point. No, actually that's not what happened. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Do you feel the love in that? Do you feel the mercy and the grace? How dare you? How, who do you think, you lowly sinner? Jesus heard they'd thrown him out. When he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? This is Jesus walking up going, Do you believe in this idea of the Son of Man? Jesus is there. Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. In other words, he's saying, You have now experienced him. You have now encountered him. You now have been privy to the truth that makes you free. Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then the man said this, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now he didn't start singing, we bring the sacrifice of praise. No, he didn't do that. What he did was he bowed before him. He worshipped him because that's what it means to bow low to the ground. He worshipped him. He came into a posture of humility and worship. Back to our cast of characters. Blind man, quick to obey, honest, forthcoming, now born again, now a follower of Jesus. Pharisees, prideful, religious, rigid, and unbelieving, still stuck in their sin. Read the rest of the passage. The crowd, opinionated, Talking a lot, but saying very little. Unchanged. The crowd will always be the crowd. And by the way, you will never please the crowd. Yes, 
As a preacher, pastor, minister, I've had to tell myself that thousands of times. Right, Danny Bell? Thousands of times. We will never make everybody happy. Today, if we have 400 people in church, I will have 400 job reviews by the end of the hour. It's just the way it is. I'll never please the crowd. But there is one I have to please because I have to go to bed with him and raise up with him every day. Family. Family will always be a little concerned about you because you may be wandering off. You may be becoming a fanatic. You may be too deep into this Christianity thing. You may be too out there. You're not following the rules, the norms, the culture of our family because you're going all in with Jesus. And, you know, we don't want you to embarrass us. Family can be the greatest blessing and they can also be the greatest, not so much of a blessing. So, the disciples, look at this. Teachable, wow. Their eyes are being opened because Jesus is working the works of God right in front of them. And then Jesus, compassionate, outside the box, yielded to his Father's plan, will, and voice in the moment. Who do you relate to out of these cast of characters? I've been all of them, and I'm trying to be a little more like the last. But again, I'm preaching to myself today. So would you pray with me right now as we ask the Lord to open our hearts? Lord, I'm asking, would you open our hearts? For each person here this morning, who are we in the story? Who are we? I know where I've been and I'm so grateful that I'm not there. I've got an idea of where this is going. I'm grateful and anticipate and excited about the future. Father, in the meantime and in the in-between time, Father, we're navigating all these various roles. So my simple prayer today is, you open our hearts and our minds to see different, to hear different, to think different, to have our minds renewed by the pure washing of the water of the Word. And Father, my dangerous prayer for us today, right now, is would you reveal to us, we would say in the story of the blind man, but I would say, would you reveal to us the kitas in our lives? the ones whom we've judged, that we've questioned, that we've wondered about what they did wrong to get where they are, would you open our eyes to see beyond the obvious that just it just may be that you desire to reveal your glory in the Kitas, in the Jamies, in the Dans, and the Jimmies. It just may be that you see the mess as beautiful as you drop a feather right in the middle of it and reveal your glory and your presence. So I pray this week for the Kitas, the Jamies, the Dans, the Jimmies in our lives that we will encounter. And I have a feeling you're going to arrange some divine appointments this week. And for everyone, may we remember that you desire to reveal your glory and the messed up and the broken. May we celebrate it and see the everyday miracles that are happening all around us. 
Give us grace to love life.